We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, Panthers fans, to another edition of the Roar Podcast brought to you by Blue Wire. Hey, it's John Ellis. We have got a lot to get to today. Billy Marshall and I are going to size up the Panthers' free agency frenzy, the additions they've made both on offense, on defense. They've got a backup quarterback mentor in Andy Dalton now, and we'll certainly take a look at the wide receiver void and how they may fill that. A lot to get to here in the next hour with my friend Billy Marshall. I'm John Ellis. This is the Roar Podcast. Let's get it started. And it's brought to you by our good friends at Blue Wire. Welcome back to another episode of The Roar brought to you by Blue Wire. I'm your host, Billy Marshall. Joined as always by my co-host, John Ellis. John, how are you hanging in there during this Friday of March Madness? Oh, I'm doing good. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy March Madness weekend, everybody. And uh, excited to talk free agency frenzy with you, man. It's been a busy week for the Panthers. Yeah, it sure has. Um, so we obviously you know, re- received a lot of feedback after our last episode. And uh, some people uh, took exception with how you know I kind of... Uh, came across on the last episode and um, I just want to be clear like I take those I take all feedback very seriously and uh, I understand that you know we like to be very blunt at times myself in particular about the state of this franchise Um, so whenever something positive happens uh, I I think I could have done a better job of uh, being a little better uh, more transparent with some of the positives that resulted in uh, their decision to move up to number one Um, and you know some people felt uh, I didn't do a good enough job of that and the people who listen to this pod are uh, very important to us uh, because you guys, we wouldn't be existing without you guys who listen to us on a weekly or daily basis. And um, yeah, I, I will certainly you know, try to be better um, when it comes to the messaging and communication uh, aspect and uh, really want to just make it clear that, you know, I, I think all of us, John included, want to see the best for this franchise and uh, i know it's been tough the past few years so it, it's been you know from a messaging standpoint there really hasn't been much positive to discuss uh so that's just the only thing i want to come say at the top and uh, again i appreciate everyone's feedback i know a lot of people um you know had you know some issues with it and i take those 
concerns very seriously and i will try to do better myself because at the end of the day you know john you and i have been doing this for what three years now so um we've we haven't really changed but i think last week was probably a good starting point yeah well said bill look i i think you know look i first of all i want to say screw everybody i'm i'm kidding I'm kidding. We love our listeners. <laughs> I I put some tweets out there last week, and I, I don't want to spend all day on this, but I, I think what you said is totally appropriate, and uh, I don't think you owe anybody an apology, but I think some clarity, you know, th- that, that says a lot about your character. Um, and I also think, look, give us a little bit of leeway here. But Billy and I both can, can be a little bit blunt at times. But we're nothing if not fair, I don't think, even throughout the Matt Rule era, which was, I mean, look, Billy and I started this podcast, Bill, I think it was the summer of 2020. So we were coming into a lot of unknowns, a lot of unknowns about the franchise quarterback Cam Newton at the time, a lot of hurt feelings that that went into, you know, bringing in Teddy Bridgewater. And then obviously it was not good football for two and a half years. So there were some good moments. There were some good players. Steve Wilkes came in, did some nice things. And I think, you know, look, we're not going to spend all day here defending what we do, but I, I think it's perfectly appropriate to start the show by saying, hey, you know what? Thank you for listening. Whatever you think of us, whether you think we're too harsh, whether you think some actually people think we're times we're not harsh enough, that's a very slight yeah, view. I've heard that. Yeah. And, and then there's the, the majority of people, I think, Billy, and this is what you find on, on you know, the whole here when you've got a show that does some pretty good numbers like ours does. And, you know, we're not bragging here, but that's just the fact here. We're one of the leading Panthers pods out there. We've got some some great people out there that do Panther podcasts, like, you know, Julian Council and others, and we respect the hell out of those guys. But what we do, and by the way, we have no beef with anybody in our realm. I mean, we're all good with those guys. It's just occasionally we'll get some feedback from, from listeners or, or people that like to come out of the woodwork and, you know, just say, hey, you're not being positive enough. And I'll just say this. I think we're always fair. And so, look, you get very good concentrated content here in terms of analysis from Billy's side and from my side as well. The film, you get some data analysis. You get, you know, some good guests on here, which uh, we got our good friend Matt Bowen breaking news here is going to join us here before the draft and give us his perspective from ESPN, which is going to be awesome as always. It's like an annual tradition with us and Matt. So, I mean, I think we give you what we can give you. And if it's not your cup of tea, it's not your cup of tea. But anyway, back to the news. What a week it's been. I mean, we're getting underway, Billy. We got free agents in the door. We got some guys that have uh, decided to create a new pipeline to Chicago, it looks like. And here we are, man. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of which, I actually do think that their free agent class has been very good. I think it's uh, they've been very judicious and effective with the players that they've targeted and uh, what i appreciated about their free agency process especially the last two years is that they're not doing anything crazy like they're not going out and breaking the bank for certain players like they're just filling holes with competent good football players and i think that's the kind of trend you're seeing with their entire free agent class and uh, we'll get to each player individually but just as a whole john i think i've been very impressed just with their effectiveness and identifying players who can fit a role and then they can um, execute that and sign them to the deal that they feel is appropriate. And I think um, all the players that they've uh, identified, uh, they've met that criteria. And this has been something that you and I discussed last year too, uh, where 
you know, they went out and after they uh, Browns, I believe signed Watson. I think there, there was that day where they just signed like four or five players and they were all uh, very good NFL players, whether it was Foreman or Iodinus or Xavier Woods, like yeah. those aren't guys who are going to cost you like 15 to $20 million a year. Like some of the players who've been uh, going elsewhere, but I really do like their approach. It's very, um, efficient and it, it just you know they, they really did a good job of identifying who they wanted yeah it it feels like a different regime already i mean in terms of identifying talent um obviously th- there are certain players that you look for when you kind of scope out who fits what our good friend mike k who works for the charlotte observer he's been on this show before we we chat with mike a lot and ellis williams as well they've got a a nice way of sort of framing this joe person as well had a great article about hey who makes sense for the panthers and many others who cover this team and i think we did a lot of this on our last episode and previous episodes hey maybe make some connections to some prior regimes here. And and you've seen already a couple of guys that have that connection, most notably Miles Sanders, four years, $24 million, actually 25, still, you know, on the running back market, which has been slashed significantly. Let's just face it. It's, it's hard doings. You saw Austin Eckler is looking for a trade. Good luck on that. But Miles Sanders gets in the building. And obviously we're going to go through the full list here, but um, I, I've also, I think the last thing we talked about on the last pod, when we broke this down, one thing you know I mentioned was you had pointed the question to me: What approach do you think they'll take in free agency? And you know the wide receiver situation is what it is, and I would doubt seriously that they don't address that in some way, shape, or form. I know DJ Chark, as we record this on a Friday afternoon, is visiting with the team. I know they've had some interest and have talked with Adam Thielen, and. You know the Hopkins thing that that's still a bit of a pipe dream, I think, for a lot of people, including myself. But never rule out that possibility. He has talked about taking less money, and I don't think it would take a first or second round pick to land him. With that said, the point I made was you need to add a running back who has some degree of experience in an offense that has RPO elements and can catch the football. And even though Sanders' catch load hasn't been as great of late, he did it in his rookie year, and he knows how to do it. And he's got some good traits to him that can, you know, obviously he had, what, 1,200-plus yards rushing last year behind a great offensive line. But once again, this line for what they struggle with in the passing game at times, um, and struggle is a strong word. It's just not their strong suit versus what they are in the run game, which is let's get out, let's bulldoze you, let's manhandle you. And I think Miles Sanders is a great fit. And then Hayden Hurst, that's an economical deal. Three years, $21.7 million. Um, Sort of a guy that, you know, the target share maybe wasn't there recently as much. Um, because when you're playing in Atlanta, you've got a lot of dogs down there that are catching balls. But I'll say this, you know, on the whole, we'll go through all these guys. I've been pretty pleased, especially on offense, because I said, hey, add yourself somebody who can challenge the verts and challenge the seam at tight end. That's a rookie's best friend. And then have maybe a change of pace at running back. And I I love Foreman. I I love what he did, but I didn't think they were ever going to retain him once they added Miles Sanders. Yeah, uh, actually, I do like Miles Sanders, a player. That's the only like contract that I've been a little surprised with. I thought, um, I'm not saying it's a lot. I think it's very economically sound. Um, but I, I, I want to see what the guarantees are before I really make a um, full evaluation. But, yeah. but let me just be clear. I, I like the player a lot. I, I think Sanders fits a very good hole. He's a 
he, I think he's has a lot of upside as a pass catcher and uh, as a third down back where uh, guys like Foreman and Hubbard, those that was an area that they struggled with, particularly in pass protection. And he obviously has experience with Deuce Daly. But um, let's get into that right now, just each of these players. And we'll yeah. start with Sanders. Like I just said, I, I've always liked the player a lot. And my only kind of question uh, with him is just uh, how the contract is structured. Uh, I, I think that for the most part, it, it's in line with some of the other running back contracts, like Jamal Williams went for three for 18. And I think uh, a similar deal was signed by Detroit with Montgomery. Uh, I personally believe that Sanders is the best of that bunch uh, of the available free agents. I know guys like Tony Pollard and Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs, they are all franchise tagged. Uh, but I, I do think, like I said, I think he fills a hole. And if they had to go to a fourth year just to convince him to come, then fair enough. Uh, but let me just say on the field, I think he makes a very good impact. You know, He has experience with that Frank Reich um doug peterson style offense already so yeah good good signing i just have a little questions about the contract but outside of that i do think he fits a, a pretty good uh fit for their offense i do too I mean, we'll go over some of the size metrics here 511 211 he came, came via penn state to the eagles there uh was a big part of their success over the past few years of course had a couple of touchdowns i believe in the divisional round game uh, that they had uh, this past year. And, you know, again, I think the the reception targets haven't been there, but he's proven he can do it. And I'm not saying you have to have a guy that catches eight, nine balls out of the backfield. I don't think that's what this Frank offense is going to be about. But I do think he has enough of that experience, especially early in his career, to where he can be a guy that can be a safety valve or a screen player if need be. But he really is, you know, a high-volume guy. I mean, last year, you look at uh, 259 carries. That was eighth in the league. 1,271 rushing yards. That was fifth. He had 11 touchdowns, so he finds the end zone. And he is up around five yards a carry. And it looks like his cap hit this year is around $2.5 million. So, again, as most of these contracts go, a lot of this stuff gets backloaded. And then, you know, you, we talk about going to the bank of Mahomes for Kansas City. They'll go to the bank of Sanders at some point because it's a four-year deal. I mean, that's pretty significant for running back but again the details the devil is always in the details and sometimes you can find some good answers in the details it looks like the cap hit for this year is fair which is a good part of the reason why they can go out and add some of the guys they've added around them and i don't think they're done yet so yeah sanders high volume guy last year good player uh smart player he's he's a glider he's a slasher he, he's got good quickness you know people complained a little bit you, you heard i i went around and i kind of did my own film junkie study on him for about you know 30 45 minutes which is not nearly enough time but got a sense of how he runs and then and nothing looked wrong to me in terms of his vision but you hear some people from philly that would text me and be like yeah just be ready for his vision it'll make your brain hurt and i'm like okay well that, that it, i'll figure that out when i figure it out and then you hear other people say he's got great vision so i don't think it's a real big deal i think it's just variable opinions based on those who have followed the eagles but i think on the whole he's a highly productive player um, he fits a void and, you know, it comes at a bit of a cost there. But once again, I think they were always looking to move in more of a direction where, you know, experience within a structure, within a scheme is a very important thing to Frank Reich and the staff. And I think that fits here with Miles Sanders. Yeah, for sure. And sticking 
with offense, Hayden Hurst, I thought this was a fantastic deal. I, I mean, agree. three years, uh, what is it, 27 million? Or, uh, yeah, I it was uh, three years, 27, uh, 21, I'm sorry, 21.7 oh, million. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a fantastic deal. And Right, yeah. Looking at, I think Mike uh, Jacecki just signed a contract with the Patriots for one year and uh, 9 million. So yep. the average annual value of Hayden Hurst's contract being seven million, uh, I think it's a, uh, a really good job by the team to um, you know go out there and and sign him. I thought that was a, a really shrewd deal. I thought Hurst was, um, I again I, I said on the show that I didn't think Dalton Schultz or Mike Gesicki were good fits for this offense. I think Hurst is yep. much more of a complete tight end. He might not be an elite blocker, uh, but but he is very competent in that role. And uh, more importantly, I think. He's played in plenty of offenses. He he's played in the run heavy offense of the Baltimore Ravens, and then he played in a balanced offense uh, with the Falcons for a couple of years, and then um, you know he was in Cincinnati uh, last year. So he has a very good um, breadth of handling different type of roles uh, as a tight end. Uh, I, I do remember in 2018 he was under very strong consideration to be drafted. Um, where DJ Moore was eventually drafted. Uh, so it, it kind of just comes full circle. Um, you know, he's from South Carolina. Uh, he went to school at South Carolina. I think he's from Florida. But yeah, I, I thought this was just a fantastic deal. This is the type of uh, thing you should be doing in free agency, just looking for competent, good NFL veterans and signing to this type of deal. And um, yeah, credit to the front office. I, I really like him. And I, I think he's going to bring a very positive dimension uh, for the offense. Well, Billy, I like it too. I mean, look, he's local. That's a nice thing. He went to the University of South Carolina. Here's some fun little tidbits that you, you know you find out. And I, I knew some of this already, but Panthers.com has done a nice job of highlighting this. That you know, his first college game uh, with Gamecocks was at Bank of America Stadium. His first touchdown reception was via Lamar Jackson, by the way, in that 2018 Baltimore Panthers game at Bank of America Stadium. So he's excited about being back in the Carolinas, which there's a theme here. You'll continue to hear that throughout the show. Some Carolina guys back in the building. There's several here on this list. But no, I like him. And and the thing I like about him, too, is, you know, you look at how PFF broke down. And one thing I love about PFF is how they break down where these players play in alignment, uh, not only on offense, but defense. Last year, 399 snaps in line, which is, of course, attached to the formation. Detached, he said 100, uh, 168 snaps in the slot. He had 103 snaps out wide, which you get a little bit of that variation in that offense there in which he played. But he didn't have a ton of snaps over his career relative to other tight ends, so there's still a lot of tread on that tire. I mean, you look at his snap count, you know, the first year, 31%, 41% second year, and then the last three years, 70%, 50%, 61%. The most snaps he's ever played in the season is 786. So he emerged last year. He had the most starts of his career last year with 13. And again, he's got a pretty good nose for the end zone. So you like it. He's had, what, 9, 12 touchdowns, uh, 11 touchdowns, I should say, over the last three seasons. He had uh, six last uh, the time we saw him there in Atlanta, 2020. And, you know, his yards per receptions have been down a little bit. But, again, he's a big body. He can block. He can play in line. He can split wide. He can move around. He's the classic move tight end that I think this offense needed. But he can also, like you said, detach himself. He can also attach to the formation and be a viable enough blocker. It's not his strength. But, as you said, he's more than capable of doing it. And it, the contract in which he's been signed, three years, 21 and change, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty good stuff right though. So, again, 
you asked me again last week what would the approach be, and I mentioned those two positions tied in running back, but I also mentioned patience. Let's not go overspin. Let's not go wild. And that's, I think, following a good formula here. These are competent starters, starter-level players they've added, these two guys. Um, Miles being one that is a Pro Bowl caliber player based on what he did last season. And Hurst, I think, has all the potential in the world to be you know, if they use him, depending on who they add at receiver, he might have to carry that load. He might have to be, you know, a, a 75, 80% snap count guy looking at maybe, you know, 85, 90 targets. So we'll see how his production goes up. But I think he'll fit nicely into what they do here. Yeah, I think he also has a decent amount of run after catch ability. I think there was a touchdown that he scored in 2019 against Buffalo. If you don't have a chance to go see that, go back and watch it. It was a, it's a really good th- Good throw by Lamar Jackson and uh, Hayden Hurst just like outran the entire Buffalo secondary, which included at the time like Tredavious White and Poyer and uh, Micah Hyde. So then those are all really good players too. So I think he offers plenty of just very good competency as a receiver, pass catcher. But um, more to your point, I think there's also some upside uh, – there with you know how he can be used after the catch like especially if they want to target him on those uh quick flat routes or uh just get the ball in his hands quickly i think he does a really good job of that um so yeah um let's go to the next uh signing here on offense one mistake uh, it's going to be andy dalton um you know they they really had to sign some type of veteran free agent and i thought this was you know probably the best they could do uh given the options i know some people were kind of down on it i really didn't understand why i think dalton is uh, not only just a very competent quarterback he's like the probably the best backup that was out there uh, right, considering right. that they weren't going to be in the uh, mayfield or garoppolo or you know i thought Burset was an option but it looks like uh, jacoby really wanted to compete for a starting job and one thing to keep in mind with Burset is that um he represents himself so he's going to be, you know, when he's discussing terms with teams, he's going to probably try to look for an opportunity where he can play. And I think that's what uh, Washington uh, gave him. So, uh, but for Carolina, I thought that it, it was a really good deal, depending on which, I mean, whichever of these young quarterbacks they take, I think Dalton is going to fit in pretty well. I heard uh, him and Justin Fields had a very good relationship when uh, Dalton was, uh, you know, the other quarterback in Chicago during Fields' rookie year. Mm-hmm. And Matt Nagy has a pretty similar type offense to Frank Reich, too. So uh, he already has a little bit of experience uh, kind of learning the terminology. So, yeah, overall, I thought this was a uh, another really good signing, just uh, given what they were able to offer. And, yeah. Absolutely. One of the first things I saw, and this news broke, What, by the way, I, I was trying to tweet about it, but my daughter had flag football practice out here in Spartanburg on, uh, I believe it was, was Tuesday when this news broke, and it was about 25 degrees and the wind was whipping. I'm sitting there trying to watch her, and I can barely tweet because it felt like the Christmas Eve game at the bank. So my initial thoughts, I just kind of looked on, you know, Twitter, and it is what it is. You know, with Twitter, we're the same way. Sometimes we can piss people off, and sometimes other people can get a little annoying. And there was, like, this flood of, like, oh, my God, Andy Dalton. Oh, oh God. Well, I mean, let's be honest. You know, Dalton, I think we, we didn't see the best of him last year, let's be honest, when, when we saw him firsthand. But uh, I will say this. He did play well last I year. I actually would argue he played really well last year. What, do you have 18 touchdowns, nine picks? I mean – 
Yeah, even his like, if you look at his like advanced like metrics, like his EPA per play and some of right. uh, like CPOE, it, it rated like as a top ten quarterback. And let's be fair. I mean, look, if he did have to step in and did have to be the full time guy in this offense, and you never know. I mean, you saw what happened to Trey Lance. You hope that doesn't happen with whomever the Panthers drafted number one overall, assuming that they do that. And I think all indications are they will. Um, he could be a productive enough player to step in and hold down the fort and and manage this offense efficiently enough to be competitive. And that's what you want to do. You don't want to keep putting these pie-in-the-sky Band-Aids on things. You know, Mayfield, once again, I, I don't think that was ever going to be a great long-term fit. None of it was. I mean, it was McAdoo, Matt Rule. It was, just, it was a last-ditch effort to save face, and it just was never a good fit. I'm happy for Baker, you know, even though he's back in the division. Good for him because he handled himself like a pro here. Happy for Sam Darnold, by the way. And I actually think, you know, we've talked about this a little bit. <laughs> you mentioned watch Sam go win a Super Bowl with San Francisco. I've had some callers on my show on Fox Sports Upstate, some 49er fans saying, hey, you bring him into this offense and he improves dramatically just by being in that scheme, things scheming open, good running game, Shanahan being what he is with quarterback. So good for him, too. But I think Dalton, for what he is, is a veteran. <laughs> He was drafted in the same draft as Cam Newton, so there's a good indicator of what kind of age you're getting there. And you're, the point you made about Justin Fields is right. I was reading up on that, too. And Justin had glowing reviews on how Andy, you know, took him under his wing and helped him out through, you know, his developmental phase in his rookie year. Frank has a really good perspective, I think. Frank Reich, that is. With, with let's say, just face it, Josh McCown, Jim Caldwell, Thomas Brown. These guys have been around for a minute. They understand what you need to look for in terms of that next step guy. And I think Andy Dalton is the perfect guy at two years, $10 million. And there's incentives in there as well, I'm sure. And there's some nuances to that contract. But that's a very fair deal for a guy. Like you said, when you look at the advanced data and what he did last year, it was, you know, top 10, top 15 type of guy. And he didn't start two or three games. I mean, I think he was, what, 14 starts, 13 starts. So he played a lot last year. He comes in, he brings a lot of experience, a lot of perspective, and he's not going to be a pain in the ass to whatever rookie comes in looking over his shoulder like, oh my God, i got to fight this guy off. It's pretty much understood. You're coming in here to mentor and help grow this rookie quarterback, and then if and when your number's called upon. And in this league, that's very likely, Billy. I mean, how many quarterbacks played last year? Like 50, 55? It was nuts. There's a good chance you'll need somebody. So I was worried about this backup quarterback element going into this season and i'm glad they shorted up with andy Dalton. that's a very good move yeah for sure i, I thought look uh, they had to sign just some option uh, whether it's bridge or not bridge whether it's uh, again I, i'm not going to get into all the names like there's guys like uh you know cooper rush and uh taylor heineke heineke signed a pretty lucrative incentive based deal yeah, with the falcons right. i wasn't interested in that i like taylor but i, I had no interest in yeah yeah that. but, but let me just yeah it, it, look we we have been very kind of um let's just say uh a little harsh on <laughs> donald maybe uh let's let me just well, say he's that earned I'm, some of that let's face it he's a pro and he's been no, very but, sloppy with his footwork but i agree with you we've been we've been hard on him um but yeah let me just be clear i think myself and others uh, breathed a sigh of relief when i saw the report that he went to san francisco i just again all due respect to him I, i'm just kind of uh I, I don't think carolina should be kind of operating in that type of world anymore no, I, agree. <laughs> I you know and i think that was the big you saw some of the reporting come out and for some very good reporters who obviously 
had a beat on what they could do. And Brissett was a name that, that I mentioned early on, that Joe Person had mentioned early on. You and I discussed Brissett. You mentioned recently, uh, you know, the fact that he just got signed by somebody else. But I, I think this is, you know, once again, Sam coming back. It's it's time to turn over that leaf. I mean, look, we tried it. He he tried his best down the stretch. I thought he played some of his best football of his career down the stretch last year in unideal circumstances. And my and I think on the podcast we were very fair about that. We we pointed out, hey Sam, while he's not Pro Bowl caliber, there are some improvements to his game. But let's be very fair about this too. There are still some very clear deficiencies when you look at him on tape in terms of processing, yeah. footwork that are still not all the way there. So hopefully he goes to San Francisco with two quarterbacks that are still on the shelf right now. And gets a chance to play a little bit. Maybe Shanahan can can rejuvenate that. That's just where they're at. But I don't think Frank Reich in year one needed to be saddled with a quarterback who had not had a great deal of success anywhere to this point. Whereas Andy Dalton, look, you can say what you want about him, but the guy has been to the playoffs several times as a quarterback. He didn't play too well in those games, but he's been there. He's won a lot of games in this league, and he's done well in some of those wins. So I, I just think it was the right time to make that kind of move. Yeah, and like I said, I thought Dalton was pretty good last year, um, just given the situation that the Saints were in. They had a lot of injuries on their offensive line. I mean, certainly they had uh, two, uh, at least you know, one of the Rookie of the Years and Chris Olave and some other really good skill players. Uh, but for the most part, I thought uh, in a uh, interesting situation that he played pretty well. And and like you said, if he has to come in and spot start, uh, then I think it, it it's a pretty ideal move. And hey, look, if they take, you know, I, I don't know what the reporting or what the suggestions are out there about who the Panthers are targeting, but if they take a project like Anthony Richardson, number one overall, uh, I think that Dalton is the ideal type of bridge quarterback who can come in and uh, start games for you too, while um, the rookie is kind of getting up to grasp with an NFL system. All right, um, final player on offense. Uh, it wasn't a free agent signing. It was re-signing one of their own, and that was center Bradley Bozeman uh, to a three-year, $18 million deal. Uh, fully guaranteed money is $10 million. Uh, it just has a cap hit of $3.07 million this year. Uh, so, uh, again, a pretty fair deal, all things considered. Carolina kind of really... Um, they struck gold last year when they signed him for that cheap deal, uh, but it looks like they're reaping the rewards and giving Bozeman a little bit of security here with this uh, three-year deal, which I think works for all parties. And uh, like you said, I think you've posted some clips of him too. He did a really good job of coming in there and setting the tone on offense, especially in the run game. Uh, I think his pass protection, it's certainly not elite, but it's uh, good enough. So for me, I think this was a must, and uh, Carolina having continuity on their offensive line uh, is a pretty big thing, no matter who the rookie quarterback is. Yeah, this was sort of a no-brainer to me. Look, when you've got a, a competent center and at times elite center, and again, you, you get it's hard when you just when you go straight to PFF grades or even some of the tape, it doesn't tell the whole story. The center position is so important in the offense, especially what Frank's going to run here with what his concepts are in terms of checks, in terms of being able to communicate and be a steady influence on a young quarterback. That is one of the things that I looked at that there was a lot of conversation about last year when I, I forget who the center was at the time for the 49ers, the veteran center they had. I don't know if it was J.C. Treader. I, for, I forget. Maybe you can remind me. But they went through a center change. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong team. 
But there was a team last year recently that had a young quarterback and they went through a center change and there was a lot of concern that that was going to affect continuity with a young quarterback. And we've seen this at times. Look, when when Cam Newton came in, and I'm not comparing Bozeman to Khalil. I'm not. I'm not saying that he's at that level. But I'm saying he's good enough to be a steadying influence on that line. And like you said, he came in in week seven last year, Billy, and that was the win against Tampa. And from there... They go to Atlanta and they have a highly productive game offensively. He plays 80 snaps in that game. You go down to the other Atlanta game at home on Thursday night where they uh, had a great game uh, in bad conditions. Uh, obviously, they they play against Denver and they're effective in that game. They go to Seattle. He plays 73 snaps in that game. Um, so I just thought overall, look, he was a highly productive player down the stretch. Uh, I would say more so in the run game than the passing game, but still, you know, being an anchor in the middle is very important. I think Pat Elfline had some pretty good snaps last year, too. Look, he played pretty decent back in his natural position, I think, at center. But they released him. There's some cap relief there. And Bozeman, look, there's a PR element to this, too. And that's not why they did it, but it's a benefit. It's a side benefit to all this. Uh, he and his wife and his, his newborn baby, they've been featured on Panthers.com. And this is, you know, aside from the football discussion itself, he's a very popular guy. In that building. he I mean, look, it's not just the social media stuff. He is a very popular guy with the fans in that building. And that's sort of what you want to start building in terms of culture. People talk about culture all the time. You want good guys, good football guys who buy into the system and play together as one. And that offensive line, I mean, for the first time in a long time down the stretch from about week seven on, they played as one about as well as I've seen here in years. So Bozeman was a huge part of that. And you know, nothing is a no-brainer, but this was about as close to it as you can get in terms of the size of the contract and his relative production to that. So I'm very happy that Bose is back in the building. Yeah, for sure. Uh, like you said, I think it's it's pretty imperative just to re-sign your own players. Sometimes, um, you know, people get a little too caught up with, um, you know, and sometimes people, players do have to move on, like we discussed with Darnold, but... Yeah, I think a player like Bozeman who came in here and proved on a one-year deal that he is worthy of being an NFL starting center. I think that just it, it was a no-brainer, and um, a little surprised that it took until you know the first week of free agency to get it done. But uh, happy they were able to get it done eventually. Um, but. Let's move over to the defense now because uh, they made a couple signings that I really like here. Um, let's start with uh, Von Bell, the former safety for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, he was drafted by the New Orleans Saints from Ohio State University. Uh, he signed a three-year, $22.5 million deal, $13 million guaranteed. Um, again, a very smart contract. It's three years. It's... Um, just over seven million for you know one of the better safeties in the league, um, and I think he has a very good versatile uh, background, uh, depending on where you like to um, line him up. And you know the first thing that I look at with safeties in particular is what is how is their man coverage ability. And I think with Von Bell, he has. Uh, man covered talent and, and i think that another part of his game that i really like is just he has very good instincts his he trusts his eyes and he knows when to fire downhill uh he's not just coming downhill with reckless abandon uh, i know there was that hit that he made in 2020 against uh, i believe it was juju 
and yep. you know, Juju got hurt, but it was a legal hit. Yeah. That's one thing to keep in mind. And so he brings a level of physicality that uh, this defense is missing. And, uh, you know, he gives them just more options. And I think he's perfect for uh, Evero's defense uh, because he is versatile. He can line up deep if you want him and he can kind of match up with guys in the box, whether it's a tight end or running back or even sometimes a slot wide receiver. Uh, I, I just think like his uh, uh, like one thing that I always keep in mind with defensive players, especially uh, whether it's a linebacker or safety is like, what kind of field do they play with? And I think a guy like bell, he has excellent feel. He knows how to kind of rush to, um, you know, he knows, you know, playing in different defenses has given them the experience of matching and understanding route concepts. And he knows how to get to his landmarks not only efficiently uh, but there are like rarely if ever zero wasted steps in his movement so uh, i'm a fan of his and i think this was a pretty good deal all things considered yeah you you mentioned feel he's he's a feel player i think and you look at his alignments again pff does a nice job of sort of giving you a breakdown of where he's been lined up it's almost a 50 50 split between the box and playing free in terms of the safety position, he's had 2,600 snaps in the box, 2,581 at free safety, 1,121 snaps in the slot. He's played a little bit outside at corner. So, again, he can do a little bit of everything for you. And you've got Xavier Woods still on the roster. Obviously, there's some talk about whether they move Chin to linebacker. And what I try to get people to understand, again, and you know this well, that I don't want to say the, all these guys are positionless. But I think we get stuck in this vortex of, okay, this guy is a nose tackle. This guy is a free safety. This guy is a strong safety. I think, you know, you have said it's a 3-4 defense, which, yes, the base is a 3-4. But when, when you talk about either the front end or the back end or the, the you know, the, the middle level of the defense there, there are going to be variable fronts. There are going to be variable coverage looks. And Vaughn fits that profile tremendously. He's a very good tackler. He's also made some good plays on the ball over his career. I mean, he's got... A number of interceptions there when you look at the totality of his career um he came on strong there in terms of interceptions last year uh made some good plays on the ball and uh, for his career he's got seven picks but four of them came last year and he's available and that's a big thing when you look at snap counts he is one of the leaders there in terms of snap counts over the past few years 1200 plus snap counts in each of the last two years had over a thousand snaps in 2020 and was a big part of what Lou Anarumo did there in Cincinnati. So, I, again, looking at the value of the contract on the whole, just the base number of being, you know, three years, $22.5 million, you're, you got to pay a little bit to get good players, and that's not an exorbitant contract to me. That's right in line with what he gives you in terms of Evero's defense. And, Billy, as you know, man, the, the principal, the, the, like at the heart of what Evero does, it's all about having guys who know their coverage responsibilities. I think Bell is a veteran guy who's been in this league since, what, 2017, 2016 with the Saints there. 5'11", 215, obviously has a thumper mentality. Reminds me a little bit of Mike Mentor from the old days. Um, yeah, I like it a lot. I think it's a very good move. Yeah, and again, some of the um, – I just think one of the carryovers from this type of deal is it allows you to give Jeremy Chin just much more of a uh, 
you know, position where he's lined up in the box because I think some of his coverage ability still remains a question mark. And I think when Jin is down in the box and he can utilize his strengths as a player, I think that just benefits the entire defense. And um, yeah, I really like the you know, how everything is coming together from a secondary standpoint. Now, I still have questions that cornerback two, nickel corner, and uh, maybe edge rusher. But yeah. overall, I think that the other part, at least the safety position, I think is it's pretty set. And this isn't a very strong safety draft, so um, they don't have you know that hole to fill. Yep. Uh, all right, the next player I want to d- discuss is Shai Tuttle. Um, who is a local guy he's from, I believe Davidson, North David, Lexington, yep. North Carolina. Lexington, went to high school County, in North yeah. Davidson. Uh, he played college football at the University of Tennessee for four years. Um, this was a three-year, nineteen and a half million dollar deal, thirteen million dollars guaranteed. Uh, it looks like the first two years are essentially guaranteed for him. And you know, when I I watched, I've watched the Saints defense quite a bit the past like four or five years because I've always been impressed with how they've been able to develop these defensive linemen. Ryan Nielsen, their former defensive line coach, who is now the defensive coordinator in Atlanta, and you saw the Falcons sign um, a couple defensive linemen recently as well. Yeah. I think he's done a really good job of just developing uh, defensive talent, uh, especially on the interior line, and he did a really good job. Uh, he, I believe he worked at NC State. And he was working with guys like Chubb uh, at the time. And um, I forget his name, but there was a few other defensive, interior defensive guys that they had back then. But uh, Justin Jones, that, that was one guy. Uh, but anyway, so uh, credit to Ryan Nielsen. And you know, one guy that I remember just watching in 2019, he was an undrafted guy, was Shy Tuttle. And he was getting a lot of snaps for them uh, that year. And they, they've always had a very strong defense, particularly against the run. I think the Dennis Allen defense is very underrated, just his scheme and his ability to um, not only just stop the run and pass. Uh, I think he's probably one of the better defensive minds out there. But for Carolina, I think they're getting a very good interior guy. He has good size and he has a pretty decent quickness for a player his size. I think he has good uh, bursts off the snap. He uses hands well. I, but to me, what he does well is he's an excellent run defender and he can anchor at the point of attack and control gaps with his strength and technique. And um, you know, he has good awareness and instincts. Uh, and, you know, he probably doesn't have elite pass rushing ability, uh, but he does have a pretty strong bull rush and you push to pocket from the inside and he has some quickness uh, to get around blockers and make plays in the backfield. But for Carolina, I think that this guy uh, fills a role that they were looking for. Um, they, they really need an interior guy, particularly on the defensive line, who is a strong run defender uh, because I, I think we, we've discussed it for the past three years. Their run defense has been very uh, you know, average to below average. And I think that... Uh, making an emphasis, especially in this Fangio-Evro scheme where you can stop the run with your base principles, uh, that will allow you to do more things on the back end on pass rushing, or excuse me, on passing down. So uh, big fan of this signing. I, I think Shai Tuttle is exactly what this team needs. Um, and yeah, overall, pretty solid player who can uh, give you know their rotation on the defensive line much more options. Totally agree. Once again, I mean, uh, we're not trying to be positive for no reason here. I just think we see a lot of common threads here with what they've done so far. He had 120 snaps in nose tackle last year. You actually you count some of the shaded uh, off 
you know, some of the one techniques there, you know, you had an extra 26. So about 146 times he was lined up uh, on top of or shaded against the center last year. 557 snaps overall last season. Again, a good split between that. And, you know, you'll see him occasionally at three technique, occasionally at four eye, which is, again, a little more over the tackles inside shoulder. But big guy, physical guy. I know, uh, I believe Darren Gant from the uh, team's website had talked about him being the nose tackle, and that'll be interesting. You know, again, I don't, I, I try to not look at things in absolute terms. I think, you know, Evero will, will be mixing it up a little bit there in terms of where he aligns these guys, but it's 6'3", 300. He's a Tennessee volunteer guy drafted in 2019. And, you know, again, like you said about the bull rush, he gave some teams some fits last year. He had, I believe, three and a half sacks last season. Um, once again, three sacks, I should say. One of them came, um, unfortunately, for the Saints in that game where Tom Brady made that comeback in the final couple of minutes of that game. But he also got Brady on the ground earlier in the season in week two. So got a good nose for the quarterback when he's asked to do it. Uh, was very much a rotational player for some years there. But again, a guy that, you know, when I saw that name pop up, I said, okay, I know who that is. I've seen him play. Let's go back and look at some of the tape. And it, it's pretty impressive given... Once again, the compensation numbers not being overly, you know, gargantuan here. Three years, nineteen and a half million, and it's clear that they're revamping that front in terms of the interior line. And they got Derek Brown already, and he's your core player. But to add uh, this individual, Shy Tuttle, who's yeah, got some years under his belt, but not too much mileage, I think it's a very solid move. Yeah, totally agree, and I, I think he can do that. You know, especially like I know, like back in the day, like their old three front, de- three four front defenses, like the Dick LeBeau style, like they always had like that huge, like yeah. three hundred thirty, three hundred forty pound nose tackle, Ted Washington or Casey Hampton or guys like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think uh, a lot more of the evolution of, um, especially with these odd fronts and uh, this Fangio style defense, you don't necessarily need to look for like just a true nose tackle anymore. Yep. I think. You want versatile guys, and I think that with Tuttle being a very, um, you know, strong run defender and his ability to anchor, I, I think it gives uh, them pretty good dimensions as far as their run defense is concerned. I agree. I think it's a good move, and uh, it's one of a couple guys they signed along the defensive line there. But Tuttle, I, I think it's a good fit. It's a, you know, again, you put too much into this, but now you've signed a couple of guys here, actually three, who have played. Um, I believe, yeah, they played under Dennis Allen. So they have some good local knowledge, too. Andy Dalton, Von Bell, Shy Tuttle. So they can bring a little bit of intel in terms of, hey, how they run their operation. But also, as you mentioned, Dennis Allen is a very good defensive coach. And when you bring in guys, and so is Lou Anarumo, who Von Bell played under as well. So you're getting guys who have been coached up at a high level by good staffs here over the recent years. And it's good to reap those rewards when you're bringing in free agents. Definitely agreed. And the last player um, I want to mention is uh, Deshaun Williams. I really don't have much to say on him. It just seems like another uh, defensive line rotational option. And I'm never going to complain when um, you're filling out that part of your roster because those guys can, um, you know, I mean, look, it, it's a it's a very tough position to play. You need depth at the defensive line. Um, it's You're rarely going to have a unit that completes all 17 games so um, again i really don't have much to say on deshaun williams i obviously played for evro last year in denver um so there's familiarity all there already there 
but yeah, I, I just think another good depth option has been, um, you know, I'm never going to complain about it. Yeah, interestingly enough, when you look back at his track record, and it was for a very short amount of time, but um, he they, they signed him, Frank Reich, when he was there in Indy, signed him to do a futures contract. So, yeah, it was not there long, but he his cross paths with Frank before, and obviously he's uh, very familiar with the Jairo Evero from Denver. He spent the past three seasons there um, and had spent last year with Evero. But he's a guy who's well tried. I mean, look, he's been around. He, he had a, a couple of nice, solid years there with Cincinnati to start his career. He's a Clemson guy. I like that because, you know, I, I cover Clemson down here in the upstate. I went to Daniel High School down there in Central, which is right next door to Clemson. Uh, and again, a 2015 undrafted free agent. So he's a veteran. He's got some mileage on it, but not a lot of wear and tear because he's had to travel. He went to Denver, went to Miami, went to Indy, went back to Denver, and then he went to Calgary. Uh, and, and tried out the CFL for a little bit. So I respect the fact this guy has made the rounds. He's a hard worker. Um, I posted a couple clips of him, you know, last year. Again, again, some of these sacks were just dust-up, clean-up type of sacks, but some of them he had to work hard for. He had four and a half sacks at that position on the interior line in the month of December last year. So he was one of those guys that Evero leaned on when the, the lineup got a little lean, and you and I have talked about that that could come in and produce and get the quarterback to the ground. And he's sort of a you know, 6'1", 292 guy, so you can move him around on the line. Five technique, he can play inside of three, I would assume. Um, and once again, I just think it's a, a very solid move. I will say this, you know, I, I, I joked about it. Mike K put this out yesterday. They were teammates um, at Clemson, teammates down there at, at Central, uh, at Daniel High School, right in our neck of the woods here. But he and DeAndre Hopkins are cousins, so... I, I don't expect there to be some major recruiting effort, but it's always interesting to see those connections because, uh, you know, Hop and uh, Williams are so close that in this video I posted from the Clemson Insider, I want to give them some credit for this too. You can find it in One Panther Place. Uh, he basically said, "I'm he's Nuke, I'm Baby Nuke. And this is way back in like 2013, 2014. So I always think those stories are cool. Whether or not it leads to the Panthers pursuing Hopkins, I, I'm not reading into that too much. But I think it's good to have local guys back in here that have produced in the league. And Williams certainly not only did that last year, but he's an Evero guy. And this is a very predictable type of move on a, a contract that I haven't seen the full terms of yet, but I don't assume it's going to break the bank. No, I, I wouldn't either. I think it's probably a reasonable, like maybe just over the veteran minimum, somewhere like between the 2 to $3 million range maybe. Um, but yeah, again, I just think depth on the defensive line was – uh, an issue for this team at parts uh, at times last year, particularly in that Pittsburgh game where they just had zero, um, they had zero resistance against the run and it was exposed. Well, it was the theme under Phil Snow, and then even Wilkes had to inherit some of that. They were just, yeah, at times and a little, I, I light, a a little bit, light, a little light in the box at times. Yeah, and I think a little bit had to do with Phil's defensive scheme, um, where he wants to play those tight fronts and invite the run. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that. You need depth on the defensive line if you're going to play that type of defense. And again, there is uh, some similarities just with the light boxes with the Evro defense. But I think, again, if you have depth, uh, then you should be able to get by with some of those questions moving forward. Um, okay, uh, so there's really not much else as far as free agency and the offseason is concerned. That There has been some reporting the past you know, week or so regarding the quarterbacks they like. I, I don't know um, where they stand on that. I mean, pro days are starting up again soon. 
Um, yeah, there was one I just want kind of want to get your perspective and opinion on. Uh, I really don't have any opinion on it personally, but Adam Schefter, he went on NFL Live yesterday and he said he believes that Bryce Young is a favorite and he compared it to the 49ers trading up for Mac or at least Mac Jones and the 49ers um, having a similar type of um, dynamic mm. to what Carolina has currently with Bryce Young. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a very interesting comparison because as we all know, that 49ers eventually uh, pivoted um, if the reports are to be believed to Lance um, Trey Lance, excuse me. So, uh, do you have any like op- opinion on this quarterback? Uh, the rumors that are going out there right now? Not really. I mean, look, I, I saw the report, and you know, I retweeted it just you know so fans, if they missed it, would would get Adam's perspective on that. I I don't know. It came from somewhere. So I mean, you got to wonder what that story is. And I, for for me to believe that that's how it's going right now, I. I I don't think you can encapsulate where the Panthers are right now in about a two-minute Adam Schefter soundbite. And that's with all due respect to Adam Schefter, who was told by, of course, Aaron Rodgers to lose his number. I'm not going to tell Schefter, although he doesn't have my number, and that's fine with me. Um, I'm not knocking his reporting. I just I don't get the sense that there are any definitive decisions that are, are being made or going to be made on this for at least the next few weeks. I mean, why would they? You, you utilize every bit of time you have right now to assess each of these guys. And I don't think that's limited to to just CJ Stroud. I think, you know, Young has been discussed in that building. I don't I don't have any doubts about it. I think maybe it ends with Anthony Richardson. I don't know how, you know, Levis fits into this equation. I think if you move all the way up to number one, when you know you could have done number three, obviously you've got two guys in mind. I mean, that's just do the math. I mean, that's kind of where it's at, because you don't want Houston to swipe that other guy. So and this idea that, you know, you want to control the draft so maybe you can move back. Okay, maybe. Maybe something wild and crazy happens to where that number one pick gets traded back. That doesn't seem logical to me at this point. So, again, I'm I'm going off field. I've been very surprised that there has been such a ground swing of momentum from reporters to say that they're interested well, in trading somebody's back. Somebody's trying to gas that up. And, again, it's not the reporters. They're just, you know, given what they're told and they're running with it. And some of them, you know, our good friends that do reporting put – some pretty good context around it and they they give it their you know context so we can understand that hey some of this is probably just coming from a certain perspective that is not necessarily you know not dishonest but it is just sourcing you get and you you run with it and that's the job of a reporter and i appreciate that but i think at this point i'll stand by what i said you know on our last podcast when they moved up to number one you don't do that unless you have a certain concern that one of two guys are going to get nabbed up in those first two picks. Otherwise, you do a deal with Arizona and you get it done. Um, and you, you don't end up, more than likely, you don't end up having to give up DJ Moore. I don't know. That seemed to be a, a Bears-centric type of request. But, yeah, I think, you know, to, to me, just to kind of look at it again, I, I've seen nothing on tape that gives me reason to believe that Stroud or Young couldn't be very successful in this offense. And if I had to say it right now, there's this narrative that's been advanced also that, and I'm not totally buying into it yet, but I'm not totally rejecting it, that when you bring in an Andy Dalton, now you afford yourself the opportunity to bring in Richardson at number one and give him time. I don't know if that's what they're thinking. 
I really don't. <laughs> that I mean, Billy, I just uh, look. Maybe they are. I don't know. But to I, be irresponsible for me to come on this podcast and say yes, I do believe Anthony Richardson could go number one because they signed Andy Dalton. That that doesn't compute with me. Andy's a good player, but he's not the kind of guy you bring in um, to give Richardson what I believe will need to be a full year. You know, on the bench. Learning, growing, developing. There's a lot that goes into this. He's only played for one year at Florida. I like his upside a lot, and I think he could turn into a great quarterback in this league. But once again, I think you've got something good with Stroud that fits in a certain athletic profile that Frank Reich tends to go with, um, typically. And I, I went back and looked at Young. I, I did this you know, with you in mind too, because you've been, you know, very high on Young as well. And, and you are right, some of the weapons he had weren't as desirable as some of the previous Alabama quarterbacks, whether it's Mack, whether it's Tua, and boy, he threw some dots. I, I would encourage everybody to go follow J.T. O'Sullivan. I know you'd agree that he, he does some really fair breakdowns of all these guys. He just did his breakdown on C.J. Stroud. It was a great look into some of the high-level throws he made and a couple of mistakes you'd look at and say, okay, you got to clean that up. But to me, I think Stroud is the lower risk, higher reward maybe type of guy. And and Young maybe has a higher ceiling in terms of what he can do in the pocket and some of the throws he can make. And he's a marvel in terms of what he can do as a magician in the pocket. But that size thing is very real for these scouts. And they do, and the coaches too, they do concern themselves with that, especially Frank. Look at his track record, Billy. He was a big quarterback. He's been with big quarterbacks over the years. And I, I that's what gives me the edge on Stroud right now. But we don't know nothing. We, I mean, Adam Schefter can say whatever he wants and report it out there, and I respect him, but um, I didn't put too much into that at all, no. Yeah, another one, Tony Pauling, a guy I respect a lot. He's been in the draft business for decades. Uh, he's been doing this for so many years, and he reported um, a couple times that the Panthers are down to Anthony Richardson or C.J. Stroud. Again, I'm just throwing it out there. You guys can take this these reports however you'd like. Um, I just thought I wanted to mention it because uh, yeah. there's still some mystery over who they would select at number one overall. And hey, maybe this is coming at, like this is a directive from the NFL to uh, the Panthers to also just be as suspicious as possible because they don't want there you go anything being leaked. Hey, bingo, early. bingo, you know, add prize. intrigue. Yeah, add intrigue to what has become a made-for-TV event. Yes, I could totally see that. That's the first thing that came to mind. Actually, I didn't want to say it, but thank you for doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um anyway uh looks uh, look that's gonna be it for uh, for us today um really appreciate everyone for you know joining and listening and again if you guys have feedback feel free to just message john or myself and you know we'll try to you know accommodate and make sure that we're doing a very good job of just uh, relaying our feelings and thoughts on the direction of this franchise but overall i think you and i would both agree that this has been a productive week for them uh just the holes that they were able to fill and that they didn't do anything reckless like some of these no. other teams were handing yeah. out like you know 15 to 20 million dollar a year contracts and hey th those are decisions that they're going to have to make i personally never saw anyone in this class uh, maybe except for Javon Hargrave as being worth that. Um, but, hey, look, I think Carolina did a really good job this week, and uh, now all eyes are on who the draft in a couple uh, – and actually about a month now. Well, I, I'll ask one more thing before we get off here. I've, I've got to do some live radio in about 20 minutes, but I, just before we go, the wide receiver market, I know we didn't touch too much on that, but I know DJ Chark was reportedly coming in for a visit today, and then Adam Thielen. Do you have any thoughts on – 
any veteran options they might turn to there because, you know, look, I, I don't want to panic over it. I'm not going to be the guy to panic, but I think they need to add at least one more guy into this rotation that's a vet. Yeah, no, uh, that, that good, good thing you mentioned that, John. Um, yeah, so Adam Thielen visited Carolina, and um, it looks like there's, you know, that decision hasn't necessarily, they're just keeping their options open right now. I think DJ Chark is visiting them today. Yeah, I mean, look, John, it's a very, I mentioned it last week, the wide receiver market and free agency is pretty weak. And yeah. uh, Paris Campbell, a guy that you and I both thought might have some interest here, um, he signed for only a $3 million deal with the Giants. I, I saw that deal, and those incentives up to seven, but still, I mean, that's a very fair deal. So there's something clearly they didn't see as, you know, viable there. But I, I don't know. Again, I'm not going to sit here and pour gas on the Hopkins thing. I, I still am highly doubtful that even gets yeah, to the I'm discussion. Yeah, I don't think that happens here. I, I just don't. I, it could. I just don't. And people have been kind of asking me, oh, Deshaun Williams. And I, my response has been, no, they're just cousins, and it's kind of cool. But, you know, I don't I don't know if they have the resources allocated. I know he said he'll play on a lighter deal um, recently. But, you know, it's really the compensation element more than anything in terms of the draft picks. And I think he'll command something there. Thielen, I think, is a good veteran presence they could bring in. Shark uh, is a big guy, 6'4". I mean, every quarterback coming in needs big targets. I wouldn't mind that. But you're right, it's lean. Maybe it's that second pick in the draft. I mean, who knows? I don't know what they look at there in terms of the second round. But there's some prospects that have some intrigue. But uh, we'll keep an eye on it. I just wanted to give it a quick mention because right now that's been a big question. Panthers fans are kind of panicking over it. I wouldn't panic quite yet, but I would say just be prepared. They've added their tight end who can be a high-target guy. They've added a running back who can carry the load. They've got Hubbard in the building still, who's a productive player. I think they got Blackshear, who I like a lot in the backfield. And, you know, we'll see where they go. Maybe, you know, they're relying on Marshall to step up and do big things. Chenault is a gadget player. We know that. But I, th- I really do think it's critical they they add one more guy, and that's not to be overly negative. That's just to tell like it is. I think 99% of the fan base would agree with that. they got to keep shopping. Yeah, for sure. And, and let me just be clear. Uh, I, I think that the draft they have to really identify and address this i think that it makes it easier with their signings too what they should address in the draft because they did sign a uh, a tight end and a running yeah, back to pretty decent deals and none of them neither of them are on minimum deals that would preclude you from drafting one so uh, i i i think that the draft presents a very uh, excellent opportunity for them to address this especially on day two which is where the value will be had with this particular wide receiver class and just before i do log off here um jj watt he was on the mcafee show and he's been a teammate of hopkins for a number of years he said that hopkins wants to go somewhere where he wants to win um i don't think carolina is currently uh, you know in that um in that position where they're competing with the likes of like a kansas city or uh, maybe even if Hopkins wants to go play with Rodgers or something. So, uh, again, I, I like the player a lot. I just think that his age and his contract and along with what it would cost from a draft value, I just I don't see Carolina operating in that sphere right now. I don't either. And like I said, you know, it's cool that his cousin, Deshaun Williams, is playing for the team. I like that a lot. I like the fact that you, you – finally, they, you know, they don't – Maybe this will be the year they draft the Clemson guy. They haven't done it in for, ever. They in fact, in 1995, they played their first season there. But uh, you know, obviously, they brought Clemson guys in before, like Brinson Buckner and others. Um, wide receiver to be determined. So I got a lot of folks were asking us to kind of address that. Here, here's what we have on that. Stay tuned. And I think Billy's right. I think you look to the draft. They could sign somebody in the next day or two. 
In fact, I predict they probably will add a veteran at some point, but it it may be underwhelming to some. But again, that's what I, the comment I made last week is just Frank has put together offenses before where, you know, the receiving components have not been, you know, Hopkins and, you know, yeah, Jefferson and Chase. You, you don't necessarily need that with this offense right off the bat. And I, I'm, I'm more optimistic about the direction of where they're heading than I was seven days ago. I'll say that. So, and I, overall, I've been very optimistic. I, ever since they got rid of rule and they brought in real coaches who have real backgrounds in this league, um, on the whole, I'm, I'm much more optimistic than I was, but I'm certainly keeping an eye on that wide receiver position right now. Yes, yes, for sure. Like I said, I think the draft is uh, the best place, and we will provide a lot of draft coverage here um, as we continue to cover this off season and uh, but that's going to be it on our free agent kind of recap here i appreciate everyone for joining us and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in if you are a woman over 35 magnesium will help you rediscover balance energy and vitality Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.